to the Tuesday Night Touchdown Podcast with your hosts, Reese Downing and Jacob Workman. What is up, guys? It is TNT Tuesday Night Touchdown Podcast, NFL Edition, Week 15. We are very, very rapidly approaching both the end of the regular season and the start of the playoffs. With me, as always, is fine citizen, maybe a little under the weather, though, Mr. Jacob Workman. Jake, how's it going? It's not too bad. How's it going? I struggle through another episode, but we'll uh, we'll get through it. Yeah, for those of you who watch both of our episodes... Um, Workman hosts the college version and, and kind of takes the lead there. And he's been under the weather for a couple of weeks. So he's struggling a little bit on his voice. Um, getting a little bit of a break here on this episode, but I am going to throw some questions at him. So hopefully we can get through this without too much pain. Um, all right, uh, let's jump right into it here. So the first thing we're going to do is uh, check out uh, pick results from last week. It was not a good week for either one of us. And it wasn't a good week for betters in general. Vegas did a, a stand up job. Uh, over the weekend, uh, Workman's record for last week was four ten and one. Mine was six eight and one. We all th- also both missed our locks. Um, Jake locking in on Baltimore. I locked in on Miami. Uh, that is now my second miss of the season. So s- both of us are still performing well, well above five hundred. Uh, but looking to turn that around this week. Total records right now. We are damn close. Jake is ninety nine one oh five and four, and I am one hundred one oh four and four. So we are neck and neck right now. We talk about this all the time. It's not easy picking games on Tuesdays, um, but so far we've done pretty well at sticking close to 500, especially with with some of the crazy games that we've had this year. So looking forward to uh, continuing to improve as we enter the playoff times. Um, Let's move into some recaps from stuff from last week. The first game that I want to talk about is the KC Buffalo game. So the Bills came into this game with the cards really stacked against them. The, The game was in Arrowhead where the Chiefs rarely lose. The Bills were going for their third straight win in Arrowhead, which isn't easy. The Chiefs are also 14 of 16 in games following a regular season loss, including three games this season. They're battling an ocean of other AFC teams that are gunning for wild card spots. The coach is under fire for some questionable comments. Von Miller was arrested on domestic violence charges, but the Bills still managed to find a way to win. Um, But again, not without controversy. So for those of you guys who missed it, which I don't know how you did, but with a minute remaining and the Chiefs with the possession, Mahomes and company started driving down the field towards a touchdown that would secure a win. Uh, Mahomes steps back, tosses a 25-yard completion to Travis Kelsey, who runs down the field and just before getting tackled, laterals to a wide receiver uh, that's wide open in Kadarius Tony, who then bolts into the end zone for a touchdown. Unfortunately for the Chiefs, Tony lined up offsides and the play call was reversed. Um, the Chiefs went on to lose the game in a turnover on downs after Von Miller forced an incompletion on second. A tipped pass by Ed Oliver pushed it to third down, or excuse me, to fourth. And then a QB pressure by Leonard Floyd on fourth resulted in a bad pass from Mahomes, which resulted in that turnover on downs. Both during and after the game, Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid were both clearly very pissed off and called into question not only the flag, but how the call impacts the NFL's product as a whole. What were your thoughts on the offensive offsides call? This is something that's new to this year. I think it was called maybe once the entire year last year. And so far this year, it's been called, I think, 11 times. I I think it's terrible. Um, And I actually retweeted a thing today on Twitter and Dan Arlovsky on ESPN went through a whole breakdown of it too. And I mean, this, 
in that game alone, Tony had lined up in that same position like 15 times. Nothing was called. Uh, if you go through and look at uh, the ref, they went through and broke down. They actually did the Lions-Packers game, and they just a few weeks ago, uh, Thanksgiving, and they showed all of the lineups there. Same exact same thing. Nothing was called. I I, I think it's terrible. I you, you can't call that. It's it's irrelevant to the play, and he's not even really truly offsides. I, I mean, he's lined up on the ball, which is normal. I I don't know. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I'm kind of with Mahomes and Reed. And if you go through and truly look at the amount of times it wasn't called, like just go look at the Twitter feed I put up. I'll I'll put it on our page too. Like I mean, there's countless times it's the identical situation. It's not called. Like I don't. Why are you calling that right there? Like uh, it's very very skeptical. Yeah, I think this is just another situation from this year. Um, and this isn't new to this year, but it's definitely been more pertinent. Pertinent, excuse me, pertinent this year. Um, that the refs are impacting games and that's not what you want as a product to the NFL. Um, I, from my view of things, was he offsides? Yeah. I mean, he looked very clearly offsides. I did see the clip where right before that play happened, he did the very prototypical get to the point where he was getting ready to get lined up and he pointed to the sidelines. Now, whether the ref said anything or not is one thing and he wasn't even fully set, but I think that just goes to show you that all these receivers have kind of gotten into that rhythm where you just walk up, point at the the, the ref, and if anything, he tells you to step back. Right. Um, horrible, horrible way to end a game. I mean, it, it sucks for the Chiefs because they've lost a couple close games. Patrick Mahomes is doing a lot with a little as far as the, the weapons on his team. They had that game within their grasp without Isaac Pacheco, who's become a, a, a very, very big part of that offense. Um and what a heads up play by Travis Kelsey. It sucks because that would have gone down as one of the top plays in the, in the season. Yeah. Um, I mean, it literally took away probably the play of the year. Yeah. That's, yeah. If not, if not play of the year. So yeah, it's disappointing for sure. Um, I, I just don't know where you go from here. This, it seems like every single season at the end of the year, we talk about ways that the referees are negatively impacting the game or missing calls. I know I've been vocal about this a lot and a lot of other people have, um, Micah Parsons gets held a lot. It is a lot. I mean, it is criminal how often this guy gets held and they don't call anything like he will have, he'll be triple team. Somebody will have their arm around his head and they just look the other way. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of that happening to Aiden Hutchinson now too. And it's, it's ridiculous. They're not calling anything on these DNs. Like just because they're good doesn't mean they don't get held. Like, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. They're, they're so good. They are getting held. And the the fact of the matter is, is that you still have to play within the rules. And in the argument there oftentimes is that the NFL wants to see more offense, which is why they don't call these defense or, you know, these holds on, on offensive linemen so much, but if that's the situation, then why do you call offsides on offense on such an explosive play that would have right. been all over the news? Like that play, well, would have, then, that play would, I mean, it probably did to an extent anyway, but that play would have been on news outside of just our uh, sports channels. You I know? mean, that, like, that play probably would have won an SB like that probably yeah. would have been like the play of the year. But one other thing too, and I didn't go back and rewatch it, but live when I was watching it, the very next play, I'm 100% positive. Von Miller was offsides. I thought it was a free play. And Apparently it wasn't. I, I want to go. I'm going to go back and watch it just to see like how blatant it was. But even, I did see a few people on Twitter with the same thought. And to me, it was like one of the most obvious things ever. So I I don't know. I am interested. I'm going to go back and check that just to see. But I'm 
like 100% positive he was offsides that very next play. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it's frustrating as a, as a fan of football in general, because that play is, is live in our minds right now, but you know, within a couple of years, we're not going to remember that play anymore. And if that play would have counted, that would have been something that would have, would have kind of gone down in chief's history is, is a really, really good play at, at a minimum it would be a big play for, for Travis Kelsey. So, um, well, and that's a big playoff swing too. Like that's a big loss. So that like, not even, not only for home field, but I mean, Buffalo with a loss there would really be on the out. I mean, they're kind of on the outside looking in still anyway, but that would have been a huge loss for them even. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that brings them one game closer to Miami who historically hasn't played that great in December. Uh, in if Buffalo wins this weekend against Dallas in Miami loses, they're only a game out of the AFC East. And I think everybody kind of had them counted out just, you know, two, three weeks ago. So there's a, there's a lot of impact here. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's disappointing. Um, the, the league looking into comments from Pat Mahomes after the game, like for what, what, what are you going to do? He was pissed off and rightfully so like, yeah, they'll, just, they'll, <coughs> they'll find him. They'll get fines in. Yeah. yeah. If I'm who the, the Waltons know that they win the Broncos who owns the chiefs, the hunts, the hunts. That's right. Yeah. The hunts should pay that fine. Um, yeah. So Let's move on to the next game here. Obviously frustrating for Chiefs fans. Uh, hopefully they can bounce back here next week. And they, I think they have a pretty easy game on their schedule, but but we'll see here. I think they're playing in New England. So uh, the next game I want to recap here is, to nobody's surprise, the Dallas-Philadelphia game. Um, Dallas won that game 33-13. to 13. Uh, They had Dallas had complete control of that game from the kickoff. Drove, drove 75 yards and 10 plays to score. Eagles looked to be driving to answer, but Donovan Wilson stripped the ball from Hertz and recovered it, gave the ball back to Dallas, who tacked on another three. Uh, Philly answered back with a 52-yard field goal in the second, but Dallas kept going with another 75-yard drive and score, this time from Uncle Rico Dowdle. Uh, Eagles got another field goal, but couldn't find the end zone, and before half uh, was over, Prescott found Michael Gallup for another touchdown with 20 seconds left to make it 24-6 going into the half. Philly came out at half and started to move the ball again, but Stefan Gilmore made a big play stripping the ball from AJ Brown. And he played dominantly against AJ Brown, uh, the entire game. Cowboys eventually punted, uh, for the first time in the game and a potential momentum shift struck is on Dallas's next possession. Prescott got strip sacked by Fletcher Cox and rookie phenom. Jalen Carter picked the ball up and ran it in for a touchdown. But luckily for Dallas, this was the only touchdown that Philadelphia scored all game was on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Dallas's defense held its own the rest of the way. Final score, like I said, was 33-13. Dallas now moves into first place in the NFC East while the Eagles have lost two of their last three and slip into fifth in the AFC, the NFC playoff race. Good news for the Eagles, though, is that they have a much easier end of the season schedule than Dallas does, and if they win out regardless of what Dallas does, they're still going to lock up the NFC East. Uh, what were your thoughts on the game? Uh, just a dominating performance from Dallas, and I'm um, Kind of shocked. That's two weeks in a row. Philly's not looked good. So uh, clearly they need to get something going before the playoffs or I don't know. I think the NFC is a little bit more interesting than we might have originally thought it was. It's uh, There's going to be some bad teams making the playoffs in the NFC just by default, but I'm not even sure I could say that I would rule them out winning in an upset, though. Like the uh, NFC is getting real interesting. Let's put it that yeah. way. It's, it's getting thick for sure. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit here. So looking at the playoff picture, let's start with the, the NFC right now, as it stands, uh, the 40, and this is if the, the season were to be over right now, 
The Niners would have the first round by the Cowboys would sit at the two spot. They would be at home against the Packers. The lions in the three spot would be at home for a divisional matchup against the Vikings and the Buccaneers would be at home, uh, matching up against the Eagles, the Niners, the Cowboys, the lions and the Eagles have pretty much all but secured a playoff spot. It's just a matter of where they're going to land. NFC South has not been decided yet in the hunt right now are the Bucks, who are at six and seven. The Vikings are seven and six. Uh, the Packers are six and seven. The Rams are six and seven. The uh, Seahawks are six and seven. Atlanta six and seven and New Orleans is six and seven. So there is a lot of middle of the road teams in this hunt right now. What is going to shake this up is going to potentially be the NFC South. So I'm the, this is where my question is coming out first is who do you think comes out on top of the NFC South? You've got, Tampa Bay, Atlanta, and New Orleans are all tied at six and seven. Tampa Bay has got at Green Bay, Jacksonville, New Orleans, and at Carolina. Falcons have at Carolina, Indy, at Chicago, at New Orleans. And New Orleans has the Giants, at the Rams, at the Bucks, and then home and against Atlanta. God. I wouldn't say any of those teams have a favorable schedule. Like, that's the... Let's see who. So Tampa at Green Bay, no. Jacksonville, no. New Orleans at home, maybe. And at Carolina, so that's two wins. Atlanta at Carolina, yes, that's one. India at home at Chicago at New Orleans. Giants, Rams, Bucks, Falcons. I'd say Atlanta, maybe I'd give the edge to, but God, like. There's no positive for any of those three, I would say. I I don't know what the tiebreaker is, but we might come down to a tiebreaker here. I have rock, paper, scissors. (laughs) Like I I have no idea how they're going to do this because two of those teams have two or no, they all have two division games left. Yeah. Tampa's got New Orleans and at Carolina. Atlanta's at Carolina and then at New Orleans and New Orleans is at Tampa Bay and then home against Atlanta. So, yeah, Atlanta's the one I would say is the most favorable, but Atlanta is also the team that's the most skeptical to me. So it's, I don't, I don't know. Things are going to be real interesting here. The team that I would like to see squeeze into a wild card spot uh, in, in weekend, we're, we're going to talk about this next. Uh, what wild card team would you least want to play in round one in the NFC? For me, Oh, that's easy. It's whoever doesn't win the the East. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I guess that is. So let's let's eliminate those two guys from the equation. Let's eliminate yeah. Dallas and let's eliminate the Eagles. I'd be worried about playing the Rams. That yeah. offense is looking really good right now. Kyron Williams is playing out of his mind. Uh, they should have beat Baltimore. He's got weapons. Yeah, they should have beat Baltimore. They've got a couple close games this year where they should have come out on top and they could have easily be sitting at eight and five instead of six and seven, which is where I think they're at right now. Well, and what sucks is Stafford was injured when they played the Packers. So the Packers beat the Rams. So they have the tiebreaker over them. And that was without Stafford. Yeah. So what are your thoughts outside of whoever is the wild card from the NFC East? Um, Yeah, I would say Rams and Seattle are the two teams I wouldn't want to play but they're not even necessarily either going to going to get in. Um, Minnesota's got all kinds of issues right now. The Packers clearly have all kinds of issues. Uh, Yeah. If we're taking out Philly or Dallas, I don't really know if there is one. I fear I would say the Rams or Seattle, but again, we're not even positive. One of them's going to get in at this point, but 
Other than that, I, I wouldn't be too worried, to be honest. Clearly, it sucks for the Lions. If we have to play a division game for the third time. That always sucks, but. Yeah, division game would definitely be tough. What I was what I was thinking would be interesting is if Stafford goes back to Detroit. Yeah, I brought that up on our season preview show. That was the that's that's I've been talking about that all year. That would yeah. be the, the dream, <laughs> the dream scenario, but I don't know. I think that's probably looking less likely now because I would assume if the Rams make it, they would probably be playing the winner of the uh NFC South, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move into the AFC. AFC is, is honestly, it's just as convoluted. Um, right now, as things sit, the Ravens are getting the first round by the Dolphins sitting in the two spot would get a home game against the Colts. The Chiefs would be sitting at the three spot and they would be getting a home game against the Steelers and the Jags would be the fourth home team and they would be getting a game against the Browns. Um as of right now, it looks like Baltimore, Miami, and Kansas City have pretty much solidified playoff spots. The rest of these things are kind of up in the air. Right now, we also have a ton of teams on the AFC that are in the hunt. Jacksonville's at eight and five, Cleveland's at eight and five, Pittsburgh's at seven and six, Indy, Houston, Denver, Cincinnati, and Buffalo are all sitting at seven and six. Yeah, so there are six teams right now that are tied at seven and six. The AFC South right now is just like on the NFC side, the AFC South is the the conference that is going to potentially throw a wrench into things. So we've got Jacksonville that's sitting at eight and five. Their final four games are Baltimore at Tampa Bay, Carolina at Tennessee. Once they get past that Baltimore game, sounds like a pretty easy schedule. Indy has Pittsburgh at home and then at Atlanta and then Vegas and Houston at home. Houston has at Tennessee home against Cleveland, home against the Titans, and then at Indy to finish the year. So of those three teams that are in the AFC South, who do you see coming out on top? Uh, well, uh, with the injury to Stroud, I I really like the Colts here. Uh, three of the four games at home, Pittsburgh's all over the place. They're at Atlanta. That's not even that scary of a game. And then the Raiders at home and then the Texans at home. I, I actually really like the Colts here. Um, the thing is, does Jacksonville, they already have a game up. So I do think Jacksonville will probably lose to Baltimore. At Tampa, they should win. Carolina, they should win. And at Tennessee is iffy. So I guess it would probably all come down. If I give the Colts three wins. That's 10 and seven. Jacksonville would get. Ugh. Jacksonville's going to have to win three of these four. I, I don't think they'll beat Baltimore. If Jacksonville beats Baltimore this week, and then I think that kind of locks it up, to be honest. But if not, then that's where I think it gets real interesting. But I do like Jacksonville and Indy over Houston, especially with the Stroud injury and not knowing what's going to be going on there if he's in protocol. That and playing Tennessee twice and Cleveland with that defense. Like, I, know, I, I like the schedules of the other two a little better. So I, I would go... I'd go Jacksonville and then Indy. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat uh, as as far as the the line goes. There, Houston to me, I think has the most difficult track to getting there. All things considered, let's say CJ Stroud comes out of concussion protocol and he is on the field playing Tennessee twice. They may give up one of those two games. Um, Cleveland's dominant defense, and then at Indy. Steichen's defense has been playing really well, all things considered. So they're not a shoe in. 
Um, Jacksonville's got the easiest road, in my opinion, because I think if they do happen to beat Baltimore this week, which I don't know that they're going to, but even if they don't and they go to eight and six, Tampa Bay, Carolina, and Tennessee are all relatively yeah. easy wins for them. So they can still end up 11 and six. Um, all both of these other teams, Indy and Houston, are going to have to win out, and that's not possible. So if, if Jacksonville wins the Baltimore game, uh, I don't see any way why, how they don't come out of the AFC South, but we'll see what happens there. Um, all right, let's play the same game. Uh, we'll take a look at wild card teams on the AFC side. Right now, we have <clears throat> uh, Houston, Denver, Cincinnati, Buffalo are all in the hunt. And uh, then the, the teams that we just kind of talked about here with Jacksonville, uh, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, which wildcard team in the AFC that's not Baltimore, Miami, Kansas City would you be most likely to not want to play in round one? This might be surprising, but I think I would say Denver. I think Denver or uh, Denver or uh, Buffalo, I think, would be my two picks. But I, I think Denver would be the one I would lean towards right now, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. I, this one's tough, man, because there are a lot of these teams. They, they just don't come off as overly concerning to me. Honestly, the, the team that's been playing uh, decently uh, as of late is Cincinnati, despite losing Burrow, because Jake Browning's been playing well. Um, I hate I to just, see a nickname. Yeah, but I went I, with the teams with the healthy quarterbacks. That was the yeah. I know. Well, yeah. this 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 season of the NFL has turned into like the season of the backup quarterbacks. It's right. it's pretty crazy. But uh, Cleveland, Wacko Flacco out there. Yeah. Like he's he played well last week. Um, that's a team that could be deadly entering the playoffs because of that defense if they can stay healthy. So. Those would be the two teams that I would probably be most concerned about playing. Cincinnati's got enough weapons on offense and their defense has been playing well enough recently that they could make a, make some noise. And then Cleveland would be the other one that I would be concerned about. So, all right, um, let's jump into, uh, to week 14 picks here. This week is, as we just said, the battle of backups as the first three matches for the week actually feature backup quarterbacks. Our Thursday night matchup features the five and eight Los Angeles chargers who are coming off a loss to the Broncos as they hit the road to sin city to meet the division rival and also five and eight Las Vegas Raiders who lost at home last week to the Minnesota Vikings. The chargers sit third in the division and will officially be without Justin Herbert for the rest of the year with a finger injury. Instead starting North Dakota state legend Easton stick in his first career start and third career game. The Raiders, meanwhile, look to break their three-game losing streak and crawl out of last place in the AFC West. The Raiders are favored by three at home. God, these Thursday games keep getting better and better. Um, I'm going to stay with the home team. I'll take the Raiders minus the three. I'm, I'm with you. I'm taking the Raiders here as well. Both of these offenses are struggling, but surprisingly enough, I think the Raiders have a better defense, so I'm going to take the home team here minus the points. The first of our Saturday games and second of our backup QB battles is the seven and six Minnesota Vikings who continue their road trip after beating the Raiders last week as they face the seven and six Cincinnati Bengals who got a win against the Colts. Minnesota continues facing adversity as Justin Jefferson may be out again. They'll be without Alexander Madison and Josh Dobbs has cooled off and was benched mid game in favor of Nick Mullins. Meanwhile, the Bengals have surprisingly come alive offensively after losing Joe Burrow for the season and handing over the reins to Jake Browning. 
Both teams are battling for position and potential wildcard spots as the Vikings sit second in the NFC North and the Bengals sit last in the AFC North, but are just one game back from the second place Browns since he is favored by three and a half. Uh, yeah, pulling for every team that can beat an FC North team. So I'm going to take Cincinnati here minus the three and a half. All right. Yep. I'm going since he as well. Browning looks to be getting his feet under him a bit since he's defense, as we just talked about, seems to be improving. Minnesota's just got way too much to overcome. So I'm going to stick with the Bengals. The last of our backup QB trifecta is at 4 p.m. on Saturday and features the seven and six Pittsburgh Steelers as they head to Naptown after losing to the New England Patriots last Thursday to face off against the seven and six Indianapolis Colts who were coming off their own loss against the Cincinnati Bengals last week. Another game with potential wildcard implications, the Steelers are likely to still be without Kenny Pickett, starting Mitchell Trubisky instead, and the Colts continue riding Gardner Minshew after losing their starter earlier in the year in Anthony Richardson. The Steelers are one game back from the Browns for second in the AFC North, and the Colts are one game back from the Jaguars for the lead in the AFC South. Indy is favored by two and a half. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really good game. Um Really struggling on this one. Uh, hmm. I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to take Pitt. I, I'll take Pitt plus the points. I'm going to take Indy here. Um, should get a little home team juice. Steichen should get this defense to rebound a, a bit with an easier offense to go up against. And the Steelers may also not have Watt if he doesn't clear concussion protocol. So I'm going to take Indy. The last of our Saturday games here, the seven and six Denver Broncos continue their road trip after securing a big win against the Chargers last week as they head to Motor City to face a nine and four Detroit Lions team who are returning home after a road loss to the Chicago Bears. Denver sits in second in the AFC West and are now just one game back from the division lead after two straight losses for the Chiefs. While the Lions maintain a two game lead in the NFC North ahead of the Vikings, Detroit is favored by four and a half. Uh, yeah, the Lions look like straight ass. Um, you got to get something going. Uh, golf has been miserable. I need to really get back to our uh, true form. I think last week was the last game we play outdoors the rest of the year, which is nice. Um, I honestly, I I don't like the four and a half here. Um, I'm going to take Denver plus the points. I think the Lions might win this one by three. I'm 100% going Detroit here. Uh, not only do I think that they're going to come in ready to bounce back after last week's loss to the Bears, but the Broncos have the worst rush defense in the league. So Monty and Gibbs should have a field day against these guys. Add Hutch getting to Russ on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to take the fighting Dane Campbells here minus the points. Yeah, they uh, if they can actually form an offensive plan, that would be nice. I haven't seen one of those in a few weeks, so. Hopefully we get one this week. Come on, man. All right. Next up, we have the six and seven Tampa Bay Buccaneers continuing their road trip as well. After securing a win against the Atlanta Falcons as they head up to Lambeau to meet the six and seven Green Bay Packers who just lost to the Giants last night. Both of these teams are in tight division races as the Bucs are in a three-way tie for first in the NFC South by record. And the Packers are now a game behind Minnesota for third in the NFC North. Green Bay is favored by three and a half. I am going to take Tampa. I think Green Bay might win this one, but I don't. I like the hook. Um, I could see it being a three-point win, kind of same yeah. thing with the Lions game. So I'm on Tampa plus the three and a half. Yeah, the three and a half is throwing me off a little bit, so I'm a little hesitant, but I am going to take Green Bay here, giving them a nod for being at home, coupling that with Tampa's injury issues, especially on the defensive side of the ball. My only concern here is a short week for Green Bay, but I'm going to go with the pack here minus the points. 
the five and eight New York Giants hit the road to the big easy after getting a big win last night against the Packers at home to face off against the six and seven New Orleans Saints, who just got a big win on Sunday over the division rival Carolina Panthers. The Giants have now officially hit a winning streak, getting three W's in the last three weeks, but still sit well behind the Eagles and Cowboys for third in the NFC East. While the Saints are battling for positioning in the crowded NFC South, the Saints are favored by six. Uh, yeah, somehow Derek or yeah, Derek Carr is healthy every week. I, I don't understand what goes on with this guy. He must have the best blood or something going on of all time or HGH. I don't know what he's on, but he's amazing. He is still playing. So uh, give me Mr. Cutlets. I, I want DeVito. So I'm on the Giants. <laughs> Oh, man. I'm going to go New Orleans. I think the difference is on the defensive side of the ball. The Saints team should be able to get out the get after the Mafia Don, Tommy DeVito, Corleone. So I'm going to take New Orleans here at home minus the points. Next up, we've got the 6-7 and seven Atlanta Falcons hitting the road after a home loss to the Bucks to face a 1-12 Carolina Panthers who returned to Charlotte after losing to the Saints in New Orleans. Atlanta is the third team in the 6-7 and seven thruple for first place going on in the NFC South. Well, the Panthers have lost six straight and continue to have the worst record in football, being one of two teams in the NFL that are now officially eliminated from playoff contention. Atlanta is favored by three. It's a pretty small line. Um, I know. I was surprised by that. I guess if three's the push, then yeah, I'll go ahead and take Atlanta. I, I, I don't know. That line's scary to me, but I'll, I'll take Atlanta minus the three. Yeah, I'm going Atlanta as well. Keep the ball on the ground. Easy defensive game for Atlanta. Should be able to win by a touchdown, I would think. Next up, the six and or excuse me, seven and six Houston Texans continue their road trip after losing to the Jets last week in New York as they head to Nashville to go up against the five and eight Tennessee Titans, who just got a huge win last night in Miami against the Dolphins. Houston may be without CJ Stroud, who is in concussion protocol and may have to go with Davis Mills. They are well within the playoff hunt in the AFC South but can't leave opportunities on the field with a banged up Jacksonville team losing ground on the division lead, which is now just at one game. Well, the Titans are two games into last place and have fared better at home this season, but have yet to get a win against a divisional opponent. Tennessee is favored by two and a half. Yeah. Tennessee going to be on the short week also. And then Houston, you never know what the quarterback. So this one's intriguing also. Um, let's go. Since we have the unknown at quarterback, I'm going to go with Tennessee minus two and a half. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that Stroud's back. If he can get out of concussion protocol by Sunday, now, regardless, Houston has the better defense. So even if it's a low-scoring game, I think Houston can still get the W. So I'm going to roll the dice and take the Texans here plus the points. The 5-8 and eight New York Jets head south after getting a big win against the Texans to face the 9-4 and four Miami Dolphins, who are coming off a surprising home loss against the Titans last night. This AFC East showdown may end up having playoff implications as the Dolphins lead in the division is now down to two games after the Bills win last week. While the Jets are likely out of the playoff hunt, but wouldn't mind shaking things up as they wrap up their once promising season before losing Aaron Rodgers to an Achilles. Miami is favored by eight and a half, which is a four point drop from yesterday. Uh, Yeah, big injury for the Dolphins yesterday. Uh, Connor Williams, their center is out for the year. That's huge. Um, Jeez. I'm going to go with the Dolphins minus the eight and a half, um, but I am really interested to see how that injury goes because losing your center for the year is not something you want this time of the year or really ever, but it's really bad right now. Um, But I I just don't know if the Jets are good enough to do this again. So I'm going to go with the Dolphins minus eight and a half. 
Yeah, the, the, it's definitely getting a little scary there in Miami because Tyreek Hill is questionable. Uh, and then just on the offensive line, Teron Armstead is questionable. Robert Hunt is doubtful. That's their right guard. So they may be without three of their five starting linemen. Uh, and then they've got a couple uh, questionable players in uh, the safeties. Uh, Deshaun Elliott and Javon Holland are both questionable for the game. I'm still going to take Miami here. That Titans game, I think, was an outlier. The Dolphins typically play pretty well at home. Despite Zach Wilson having a big game last week, I don't think he's going to be able to do the same against guys like Jalen Ramsey. So I'm going to go fins up here minus the points. The 5-8 and eight Chicago Bears hit the road after getting a big division win against the Detroit Lions as they meet the 8-5 and five Cleveland Browns who took care of the Jacksonville Jaguars at home. Joe Wacko Flacco stepped up in a big way in last week's game, going 26-45 for 3-11 and 3 touchdowns, securing the win, but surprisingly was demoted back to the practice squad despite Kevin Stefanski naming Flacco the starter for the rest of the year. At this moment, Flacco could get an offer and sign with another team in the league, although that's unlikely considering the Browns have named him the starter and he's currently QBing an 8-5 team while within playoff contention and is backed by one of the best defenses in the league. Chicago has won their last two and are looking to make it three in a row, while Cleveland looks to hold their ground on second and a possible wildcard spot in the AFC North. Cleveland is favored by three and a half. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not sure the Bears can win two games in a row. And Cleveland's defense, I think, will get after field. So I, I like Cleveland to uh, get the win in the cover here. I'm taking Cleveland here as well. Uh, Flacco's found some spark after getting off the couch a couple weeks ago. And he, Fields is looking good as of late. And it does seem like he's found some connection with DJ Moore. They're still strapped on the offensive weapons outside of that. And their defense isn't great either. So I'm going to take Cleveland. Next up, we have the 8-5 Kansas City Chiefs heading east after losing to the Bills in Arrowhead to face Belichick and the New England Patriots, who are 3-10 and and just got a big road win against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kansas City has lost their last two and three of their last five, now maintaining just a one-game lead against the Denver Broncos in the AFC West, while the Patriots continue sitting in last place in the AFC East, have just won one game at home this year, and are the second team in the league right now that have been officially eliminated from the playoffs. Kansas city is favored by nine and a half. Yeah. I'm not sure this is the week I would want to play the chiefs. Um, New England still vying for the number one pick in the draft too. So uh, I think you, it is a road game, but I think by default you have to take the chiefs here. I mean, surely the chiefs don't lose three in a row, right? This just seems like something that's just too crazy to happen. Mahomes and Reed are both pissed after losing that game on Sunday. I know big bill can scheme around Kelsey and the chiefs may still be without Pacheco, but this just seems like a game that the chiefs are going to come in and try to make a statement, even if it's just to get their own mind. Right. So I'm going to take Casey here. minus the points, despite the large spread. All right. The four and nine Washington commanders return from their bye week and head West to the city of angels to face the six and seven LA Rams who are coming off an overtime loss to the Ravens in Baltimore. Washington has now lost four straight and has slid to last in the NFC East, while the Rams are in a tight race for second in the NFC West and sit tied with the Seahawks. The Rams are favored by six and a half. This will probably be one of the few Rams games where they have an equal number of fans to the away team, so that should be at least a positive. Um, loved what I saw from the Rams in Baltimore last week. Really should have won that game. It sucked that they ended up not pulling that one out. That would have been huge for playoffs. Um I do like them to win this one. Six and a half seems a little large for me, though. I am going to go with the Rams. I think they'll cover it. 
I'm going to take the Rams to cover here as well. They played a strong game against Baltimore. This should be an easier matchup for them to handle. Stafford should light this defense up. So I'm going to take the Rams. All right. The 10 and three San Francisco 49ers head to the desert after handing the Seattle Seahawks uh, a loss at home to face the division rival Arizona Cardinals who are three and 10 and coming off a bye week. San Fran holds the keys to the home field advantage in the playoffs in the NFC and has won five straight as leaders of the NFC West, while the Cardinals are three and 10 and sit last in the division. The Niners are favored by 13 and a half. That seems like a lot. Um, God, I don't think I can realistically do this, but I I think I'm going to take the Cardinals plus the points. I think it's too many. I think it's too many. Yeah, I thought about it, but it's just two touchdowns. And I, I know it's a lot, but I, I just don't see how you don't take the Niners here. The the Cardinals defense can't contain all these weapons. Arizona is not going to score a bunch of points when Kyler doesn't have any support. They they just have too many weapons on that offensive side of the ball for Arizona to keep up. So I'm going to take San Francisco minus the 13 and a half. All right, uh, the 10 and three Dallas Cowboys hit the road north after beating the Philadelphia Eagles at home to face the seven and six Buffalo Bills to return to Buffalo after getting a big win against the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. Dallas has moved into the lead in the NFC East and has won five straight while the Bills are two games behind the Dolphins for the lead in the AFC East. The Bills are favored by two and a half. Yeah, I'm still not one that's a huge believer of the Bills team and Dallas, what they've shown the last few weeks. I you're getting points with Dallas. I think you have to take it. So I'm on the Cowboys plus the two and a half here. I think they win it outright too. Yeah. I'm taking the boys here. Plus the points. No surprise. I think this has the potential to be a closer game than Philly game was, but Dallas is just playing too well on both sides of the ball for me to pick against them right now. So I'm taking Dallas plus the points. Our Sunday night matchup features the AFC best Baltimore Ravens who hit the road after beating the LA Rams in overtime to face the eight and five Jacksonville Jaguars who return home after losing to the Browns in Cleveland. Baltimore has a two-game lead in the AFC North ahead of the Browns, while Jacksonville leads the AFC South, but is only one game ahead of both the Colts and the Texans, and they have lost their last two. Baltimore is favored by three and a half. Uh, yeah, I like Baltimore to go to Jacksonville and win and cover. I, I think they're just too much, and Jacksonville's they've been a little skeptical the last few weeks, too. So I, I like what Baltimore's doing. I, I honestly think they're going to continue and get the one seed. So I, I like Baltimore. Yep. I'm with you. I'm taking the Ravens. Uh, they are healthier and better than the Jags. I know they've gotten some heat in the media after taking that OT or that game to OT by the Rams, but I don't think Stafford gets enough credit for being the stud that he is. So I'm chalking that game up more to Matthew being Matthew than anything. Uh, I'll take Baltimore here minus the points. Our Monday night matchup has the 10 and three Philadelphia Eagles who are coming off a loss to the Cowboys in Dallas as they head West to face the six and seven Seattle Seahawks to return home after their road loss to the 49ers. Philadelphia has slipped from first to fifth in the NFC playoff race, but control their destiny as they will win the NFC East. If they went out while the Seahawks find themselves in a battle for second place in the NFC West with the LA Rams, Philly is favored by three and a half. Yeah, it's going to be a tough environment for Philly. Uh, Monday night game in Seattle. I mean, that's not something you really want to deal with, especially after your last few weeks you've had. But I I just think it's time that they correct themselves. Like, if they don't correct themselves now, then win. Like, I feel like Philly might be in real trouble if they don't come out and put on a performance here. So I like Philly to win and cover here. I'm going to take a shot in the dark and go with the Seahawks here. Uh, for a lot of the reasons that you just said, Monday night, night game in Seattle, 
That crowd's going to be rowdy. Philly's offense is struggling right now. And more importantly, their pass defense hasn't looked great either, which doesn't bode well when you're going against DJ Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Waxon Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. Uh, Philly may win this game, but I can see this coming down to a field goal. So I am going to take the Seahawks here plus the points. All right, we have no bye week teams uh, for the rest of the season. So that is all of the teams are in action uh, for the remainder of the year. We will now move into our locks. Workman, who is your lock this week? So I've got a few I like. I'm really debating on which one I actually want to go with here. Um, I'm going to do it. All right, I'm going to take Baltimore minus three and a half on Sunday night as my lock. Lock it in. All right. I am going to go with the Rams over the commanders. Uh, LA's offense is on fire right now with both cup and Puka healthy and on the field for Stafford. Plus Kyron Williams has made an immediate difference in his return. So lock me in on the Rams over the commies. Yeah. One of the things that, uh, I mean, I watched the game, so I noticed it, but the whole last drive in the fourth quarter and in overtime, Stafford's headset with McVay wasn't working. So that was a real downfall there, too. They had to burn their last time out, and McVay literally couldn't communicate with Stafford. It was like, that's wonderful timing for this to be happening. Right. So that was one of the things that really sucked, and I just was really hoping they would pull that one out because that was such a big win, or would have been a big win for not only that week, I mean, being number one team in the AFC, but that would have went a long way for the playoffs too. Yeah, a tough game for them, but again, we you know we talked about it a lot this the show. I think the the Rams could definitely be a dangerous team if they continue to stay healthy. They've got a really good wide receiver core this year. Um, Tutu Atwell hasn't been touching the ball that often just because Puka and Cup have both been healthy, but he's there and he showed that he can make a difference when one of those guys is out. Um, you've got Higby, Ty Kyron Williams. I mean, I just, and then Sean McVay, who doesn't get enough credit for being the coach that he is. So I think all those things considered, I think the Rams also kind of know that this may be the last hurrah for some of these guys on the, all in the same uniform too. So I think there should be a little extra motivation there to, to push, to make a playoff run. So hopefully they can make it happen. And I think they're going to start that process, um, by beating the Rams or excuse me, by beating the, the commanders here pretty handedly this season or this week. All right, that does it uh, for this episode of TNT Podcast NFL Edition Week 15. Uh, Workman, you have any final thoughts here before we sign off? Uh, no, other than I hope Jared Goff actually plays like a real football player this week. Yeah, I, I hope for that as well because uh, my fantasy team is entering the playoffs and he is my quarterback on one of my two fantasy teams that is in the playoffs. Jesus. Uh, so been a little bit sketchy there i and i hope the cowboys play as well on the road as they have been playing at home so can you pick up helen keller from the waiver wire is that (laughs) might be better the the league that i am in right now that has let me just tell you this well we've we got a quick moment here the league that i am in right now it's easier just to pull it up on my phone Uh, this league is so convoluted in depth you have to start a quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, a tight end, three flex, a kicker, and a defense. And you only have five bench players. There's 12 teams. So if I wanted to pick up a quarterback right now, the best quarterback available is Jacoby Brissett, hmm. Desmond Ritter, 
Easton Stick, Nick Mullins. You might Will, be better with Mullins or Stick, to be honest, than Goff. Will Levis, the Mafia Don, Aiden O'Connell. I think you should get Mr. Cutlets. I think that would be that would be the way to go this weekend. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's a it's a dice roll for sure. Either way I go. Um, I do have Jordan love as my, my backup. So there's, he's, you know, playing the bucks, they're pretty banged up defensively. So hopefully he can get me a win this week, but we'll see what happens. Um, all right, guys, that is it for us. Uh, thank you for listening as always check out our college podcast. We don't have as many games to pick, so we've gotten a little creative on some of the content. It's been kind of fun. Go check out work. Been trying to guess some obscure college team names, uh, from- mid Atlantic, intercollegiate athletic association. I don't know what they were. Something like that. <laughs> uh, close. Very close. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the MIAA conference is who he's talking about. It's the mid America intercollegiate athletics association. I was close. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's been fun. Unfortunately, we can't do that on the NFL edition, but maybe, <laughs> maybe we can play a little, uh, once we get the playoff time, we'll play a little, um, I name the player. You tell me the team that he played for lord yeah yeah that's right i'm gonna have to call the carter and see if he can give me some obscure notre dame tight ends that won heisman's that we've never heard of <laughs> all right guys thank you for listening as always uh for jake Borkman, this is reese downing tnt tuesday night touchdown podcast nfl edition week 15 good luck and good gambling cheers guys see everyone <laughs>